thankful that I'm here and uh, my son isn't. He got my, my, my PowerPoint messed up this morning and I don't know anything about computer. And uh, Bob said, have him send it up. So he was able to put it together, email it, and you can go ahead and put it up now, Bob, if you'd like. Is up. Oh, there I am. Yep. So Laurie, Laurie stayed home with him. I was able to get a call through, and they were able to send up the uh, PowerPoint that I thought I put on a stick, but I didn't. So, uh, so I'm thankful there's pictures behind me, at least at this point. Laurie and I want to thank you guys for being part of our team. You know, coming up for things like the Chili Week a couple of weeks ago, bringing some of our people up, coming up for the uh, teaching on creation and uh, apologetics on that, and just the different things that we do together coming, you guys coming down for our Thanksgiving meal and help us serve a, a few hundred people uh, Thanksgiving meal. So thanks for, for your help. I wanted to share a little bit with you about um, God, kind of what God's kind of been talking to me on, I, and I'm not the expert on this, uh, but I've been thinking about faith and kind of thinking about what it is. I've been doing a Bible study with a couple of guys. We've been doing a Dallas, one of the Dallas studies online. Professor Allman, kind of, uh, we were studying through the uh, Old Testament, Genesis, and we came up with faith. And so what we did was we began uh, talking about faith and uh, trying to think of what it is. Because usually when I think of faith, it's not so broad. It's just like I think of it in this sense or that sense or another sense. What I did was try to think of faith of, and, and not, not just think of it as in faith, but think of it how I need to apply it to my life, how we, how we need to apply it to our lives. I think of my wife, and uh, you know, you guys are struggling with a number of people with cancer. As Lori and I were, were in that point, and I thank you for praying for her also, uh, we're battling through it, and the thing is, is uh, there's not like an answer to it. It doesn't come, it, she's not looking at cancer, it's going to come into remission, but it's just something that we're going to have to battle with on a regular basis, on a regular thing. So like, she's taking her medication ready, regularly, she's staying healthy, so it's just something that we kind of have to live with, similar to my, friend, my son's uh, diabetes. It's something that you have, and you're just going to live with, and it's going to be a, a one step at a time. So, you know, and that's sometimes how I, I, look at, I look at faith, and I look at it like that. It's just like, hey, you know what? God's given me enough grace for today, and given us enough grace for today, and, and let's take that step of grace. Let's just take that step of grace. The other... Uh, Another place where I saw it, and I just want to put up the next slide there, is um, I started working with, um, we not only work in Kensington where you guys have been supporting us, but we've started working in South Philadelphia. And in South Philadelphia, I was, I've been kind of pretty much, again, learning the faith journey. Because uh, we, we have a congregation down there, a guy, David Grange and I, Kind of, he said, I wanted to come back to Philly. He went, came back to Philly. He helped me, me start Cornerstone Community Church. But he came back and he said, Joe, he, he left, went to Buffalo. And then he said, Joe, I really want to work in the inner city. So he came back and we thought we'd plan another church close to us, a Hispanic-speaking church. But God just led us to 
South Philly, and Dave started working with a church there. And in that church is seven different congregations that speak all kinds of different languages, all kinds of people groups. And what he's done is began to build those different congregations into one congregation. Pastor Chai, who's one of the pastors, he has a Laotian church. And uh, that church is, is reaching out. And the, but then they started reaching out to uh, people in the Congo. And that, that was kind of like a pretty big jump. People, pastor in America that's Laotian that's reaching people in the Congo. And uh, I thought that was, you know, kind of wild. And as he's doing that, um, we have another relationship with uh, a, 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 a group called Breathe. And they're kind of helping us out in this area and in Kensington. And with them helping us out, we decided to do, let's do a blessing day for the Congolese. And so there's a lot of immigrants and refugees and they came in, and we didn't really know what would happen, but we began to bring them in. We had games for the kids. We had different things for them to do. And, uh, and all of a sudden, we had some Congolese music, uh, Christian music playing in the background. You can go ahead and gear up the, the music. But I was surprised just to see them like jump right into it and just start worshiping. So I got about a, a minute of them worshiping. Uh, we can look at for a second. So for me, it was kind of a challenge before I get on to this verse. I was just kind of thinking of, for me, as I looked at my life, part of my life is, God, I want to, I, you know, my goal as a missionary in the beginning was Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other post parts of the world. And I kind of had the, the dream back in the day that someday I would be able to go to other places because I've been to North Jersey where I grew up in Ocean City uh, and then to Samaria in Kensington. But I kind of said, God, I, I don't know that I'll ever get to the other most parts of the world. I have a son with diabetes, a wife with cancer. I don't know that I'll... And you know what? God brings lots of people here. And so I'm kind of looking at that, and that, 
that being pretty cool, the way that God, God works. God works, and, he just, uh, and he's faithful to his word. So as I look at that, I, I kind of come to the area of faith and kind of come up with a start to think about why faith is important. This verse, Romans chapter 14, 23, says this, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. Anything that doesn't come from faith is sin. Should that be pretty important to me to look at what faith really is? If it's, if it's not of faith, it's of sin. Wow, that's wild. Next verse says, Hebrews 11.6, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and, the, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know, and, and to me, it's, it's saying, you know what? Faith is pretty important because if I don't have faith, it's impossible to please God. And then Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so I look at faith as an instrument of God's grace. So as I look at kind of like a circle, I kind of look at it as like a big circle. Right in the center there is faith. I want to look at faith because anything that's not of faith is sin. I want to look at faith because it's a way that I can please God. I want to look at faith. It's an instrument of God's grace. There's some great reasons for me to look at grace and to uh, apply grace to my life. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confident in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So faith has a an aspect in it. Faith has a part in it. That part is called hope. As I try to think of faith, and I kind of look at it, everybody hold up your right hand. All right? Hold up your right hand. All right? Faith, kind of think of faith as being right here and hope, hope being here. All right? Put your hand there on your heart. You know, faith, and I have hope. You know, that, that, that's the, the aspect of me being able to, to be sure of, to have confidence and the assurance about what I don't see. I have hope. Uh, we can go to the motorcycle slide there. A lot of you guys have helped us over the past years uh, in, in our working with, together with the House of Adonai. And Bob Beck, the director of the House of Adonai, passed away. He was younger than I am. He had a, a virus. They gave him a strong medication. It, it, it ignited another virus in his brain, and then that killed him. Did he have hope? You know, as I, as I spent time at his funeral, he had hope. He was sure of the fact that Jesus Christ 
died for our sins, and rose again from the dead. Is that all the hope he had? Well, it was really funny the way Bob, as I heard, started his ministry at the house of Adonai. See, he was, you know, running drugs. He was a biker and all these kinds of wild and crazy things. Not that bikers wild and crazy, but... But, but he, was, he, was, he, was, he got saved. He was stealing cars. He was doing all of these illegal things, drugs, alcohol, all of these types of things. And he got saved through started going to meetings and then starting under, understanding where his higher power was. And he started saying, hey, why don't you come and live with me? Then he said to another guy, why don't you come and live for me? Because I got clean. Let me show you how to do it. Hey, why don't, you know, it wound up to him having 23, 25 guys in three different houses living with them. You know why? He didn't have a great Bible degree or anything like that. He said, all I have is hope. God can change your life. Come and live with me. Come, come into my house. And that, that was basically it. You know, sometimes it was, it was you know, Bob, is, he was like so out there, but he was just saying, yeah, come in with me. I have hope. <clears throat> hope is confidence about the future. James chapter 2, verse 22, says this. You see that faith and his actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled, saying, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He was called God's friend. Genesis 15, 6 said, Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. All right? We have hope with our right hand. You know what we have with our left hand? Belief. Believe. The, faith takes in the aspect of believing. This is what I, I believe. It's not just the, what I believe. It's what God's saying. But it comes to the point where you're saying, okay, I'm going to put my trust in this. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is and forgive and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness is that true yes do i have to believe that or does sometimes i sometimes i say to myself you know what when john said everybody sins here even john yeah i'm the chief you understand that we all sin you know, and I, I talked with a guy one time, and he said, Pastor Joe, that's okay for you to say, but does God really forgive all sin? I've killed somebody. Does God really forgive that? And I, I had to think for a minute because, you know, I, I realized he was dealing with guilt and, and shame and, and the power of all these things in his life. Does God really Forgive all of my sin. Yes. 
Faith takes the hope of the eternal God and, and, and future, and it, and it takes the aspect of me believing, to me saying, yes, God, I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to know that you do, and I'm going to believe you because of what you said. And those are the two things that I kind of grew up with, but I kind of want to look a little bit further. We'll go to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up rebuked the wind and the waves the wind, the wind and said to the waves quiet be still then he then then the wind died down and it was completely calm he said to his disciples why are you so afraid do you still have no faith they were terrified and asked each other who is this even the wind and the waves obey him here was Jesus. He, right before this, you know what he was doing? He was teaching them. And they were sitting there with all the different people, and they were saying, yeah, this is great. This is, this is really good stuff. And so he's teaching them, and then he says to them, let's get on a boat. Let's go, go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And so they, they, they hop in the boat, but something a little weird here. They hop in the boat when? You know when they hopped in the boat? In the evening. You know what? If you hop in the boat in the evening and start to sail across the lake, guess what happens? It gets dark. It gets dark. I'm like, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm, I'm like a science guy that was here. <laughs> you know, when, so when you get in the boat, you go across the lake, you get to the middle of the lake, it's dark, and then all of a sudden, a... Squall stops out. It's a storm. And so you're sitting in the middle of the lake. There's a big storm, but it's okay. Why is it okay? Because you have Peter, James, and John, right? You have Peter, James, and John, because what do they do? What do they do? They fish. They've been through this before. It's okay if I'm a tax collector because I got Peter leading the boat, and it's okay. It's all right because Peter's got this. And then all of a sudden they get together and they say, hey, you know what? We don't have it. We don't got it together. So they ask, they wake up. Who? They wake up Jesus. Like, wait, wait. Am I, am I a fisherman? Peter's got this. Is it, did he say that? 
Well, what does he do? He calms the storm. And Jesus says to them then, hey, wait a minute. You don't have, you don't have faith. You don't have faith. Wait a minute, Jesus. You told me to get in the boat. I got in the boat. I got us halfway across. Isn't that good enough? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, you know, I listened to you. I believed when you told me to get in the boat, I got in the boat. What did Jesus say? Right in the beginning. You know what he said? Let's go to the other side. Is Jesus going to say, okay, let's go to the other side and I'll take you halfway? Or is he going to take you all the way? When it gets dark, when the the, the storm of life is hitting, is he going to say, okay, I'm out of here. I'm checking out. You guys figure this out on your own. You're a fisherman. You know how to do this. See, the thing is, is what I see in this verse is that he said, I'm going to take you across the lake. We're going to go. We're going to do this together. Here's where you got to trust me. It doesn't matter if the storms of life are coming. So God's plan was, wasn't any great thing. We're going to the other side. Trust me, if Jesus says we're going to the other side, where are we going? Going to the other side. And as they stopped and they looked at that, They said to themselves, who is this? Who who is this that, that commands the winds and the waves? Didn't they know who they were driving with? They just heard them preach. Oh, that's a wonderful message. They probably sit there and said, oh, that was such a good message, Jesus. You know how you talk to those other people? That was great. But you know what? They began to say, who is this? All right, let's go to the next slide here. Because faith has to also do with the knowledge of the person of God and the knowledge of the plan of God. Faith also, you can point your, your hope to your head. Go ahead, go ahead, point it up there. Point it up there. You got to get it in there too because it's, it's, it's the knowledge and it's just not smart knowledge because Satan has a better knowledge of God than I do, but it's a, it's a trusting knowledge in God. So God says, you know, he wants us to know him and he wants us to know his plan. Faith takes us with a knowledge of God. We have to, that, that's our reason for looking in the scripture, of digging in the scripture, of getting to know what God wants and, and, and who he is. You know, sometimes we got to say, this morning we said, when, as we celebrated communion, who is this? This is the God that forgives all my junk, all my trash, all my stuff that I don't share with other people. This is him.
This is that God. So I kind of look at it as here, here, here. These are, these are all places that faith is hitting me in the heart. There's one more, one more place here. Hebrews 11.8. By faith, Abram, Abraham, when he, call, when, he was, when he called to go to a, to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, where their heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city whose foundation, whose architect and builder is God. That refers back to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people, peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord told him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. As I look at that passage, I look at Abram, who did what God wanted him to do. Abram took a step. The step was a love commitment. A love commitment. God is saying, hey, you know what? Let's take a step. Now, I kind of look at going back to the other side of the knowledge. Well, Abraham went to Bible school. He had all the doctrine down. He knew all things about God, right? He knew God like this is the eternal, all-powerful, almighty God. You know what he knew about God at that point in his life? He's sitting there and God just says, hey, Abram, this is what I want you to do. I want you to leave here and I want you to go. How old is he? 75 years old. Okay, Abram, I want you to leave here and go to a place I'm going to show you and you're going to be blessed and you're going to bless others. And so as Abram goes, he's believing God. But here's the deal, and here's what I see with it. That love commitment means that I'm going to take a risk. What is he risking? Is he risking anything by leaving where he's at? If I said, today we're going to take a walk to Canada. That's what God's calling us to do. How how many people are on board with me? (laughs) I wouldn't be on board with me. 
You know, but that's what all of us, and I'm like, hey, Lord, it's going to get warmer in a couple of more weeks, and then we'll go then. But Abram, God said, hey, you know what? This is what I want you to do. He didn't have all that knowledge about God, but he just knew what God wanted him to do. He had some knowledge of God, but the thing is, he needed to act on it. His feet needed to act. It was the risk. How much risk was he taking? Well, he's leaving everybody he knew, everybody that he was comfortable with, every place there where he made money, everything that he had. And God was going to take him to a land where he was a foreigner, a sojourner. If we went to Canada and somebody got sick along the way, what would they say? Go back to America if you want to get better. You understand what I'm saying? The, the country that you don't have any rights. If you all of a sudden step into another country, you say, what are my rights? Nothing. You just walked in here. We don't owe you anything. We don't owe you protection. We don't owe you anything. See, he was a sojourner. He could only trust in one thing. What could he trust in? God. I'm taking everything away from you. I want you to go to land. I want you to risk it. How much did Adam risk on God? You know how much? Nothing. He risked everything on Satan and what Satan had to say. Didn't risk on God. So God wants us to take that risk. The, the, the cool thing that comes out of that, the, the part that goes along with that risk is, you know what comes out of that? A changed life. If I, I'd like to say roll the dice. It's not rolling the dice. If I trust God and I make the steps in commitment to him, then what's he going to do? Give me everything I want? No, he's going to radically change my life. The one thing that that, 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 that that happens is, and I've seen over and over again, is God makes a different life for us. God changes our life. God, God makes it different. All of a sudden, now we made, Abraham and Abraham made some mistakes along the way, but when it came time to trust God with his son, did he trust him? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the thing is, is through that walk of faith, it changed lives. I kind of look at that circle of hope, of knowledge, of belief, of love commitment, of faith, being something almost like a slinky that you kind of keep going around or going around. And it, and, but the thing is, as, it, as you go around, it, it, it builds tighter, builds str- stronger. As we look at faith, that's what we should be looking at. I've enjoyed my last slide here. Uh, getting to meet a sojourner. This is uh, Elijah, his wife, Yvette, their daughter, Marvelous, and Nate. Their story reminds me of Abram's story. 
because they're refugees in South Philly. I've known them way back, like ever since they got here about a month ago. <laughs> and as I met, as I met uh, Elijah, I said, Elijah, I, I, don't, I don't know anything about, you know what I'm saying? I don't know anything about refugees. And so you're, you're hearing all these debates, uh, we, oh, don't, get rid of refugees, you know, keep them, blah, you know what I mean? Going, so, you know, I meet a refugee. I say, hey, Elijah, how did you get here? Oh, I came from this country, and he, well, you were, you were from, uh, you were Congolese, right? Yes. He says, well, when I was in the Congo, uh, <clears throat> my father was a pastor. And because he was a pastor, he was saying that the military that were raping people and taking people's money and doing those type, they, that that was wrong. So the military came to look for him, his dad, and his dad hid under the bed. They couldn't find him. They said, well, we'll take his son because if we have his son, the father will come looking for him. So they took his son and they, and they dragged him out and they sliced his neck and they, they began to bring him to, uh, you know, t- to town where they, would, where they would keep him. And then he was able to pull out of his shirt as they were walking and run into the darkness of the, of the night. I, I listened to that, and then he, he went to this country, then he went to another country, then he met his wife, who was also fleeing, and they together got married and had two beautiful children. And then all of a sudden, they're coming to America and trying to learn uh, what life in America is. You know what's really good for the Congolese that we're working with is a TV because they can watch TV and kind of understand English and understand, like, what's happening. But, it, but, it's, but it's like, you know, my mind is kind of just goes out there because I just wonder how he's making it here. He, has, he already has a job, you know, and uh, so we've been helping him out. And I just say to him, how... Do you do it? He says, just trust God, Pastor Joe. (laughs) You know, it's that faith that God, even if I'm in a totally different country, even if things aren't right, even if things aren't, you know, hey, we're here. We're trusting God with our life. Let me pray.